Welcome to FO Podcasts. With me is Sharat Kumar Saraf. He is one of the great entrepreneurs of India. He has uh, pioneered uh, great manufacturing success, uh, which, uh, as some of you will know, is rather rare in India. And without further ado, we are going to talk to him about manufacturing, about uh, his experience uh, doing business in various countries, and about the future of manufacturing in India. So, welcome, Sharat. Thank you, Atul. Nice to talk to you. Lovely. So, Sharat, how did you get into manufacturing after IIT Bombay? Most people left for the US, as our mutual friends tell us. <laughs> well, this is a, a little bit of a funny story. It was 1969, and almost uh, 70% of my batchmates uh, left India and went to US. I myself had admission in two universities with a complete uh, scholarship. Uh, since I just didn't have the money, I got the scholarship. And uh, But suddenly one night while in the sleep, I just thought, uh, or probably I had an inner voice, that why am I going there? Uh, what's wrong with this country? And if uh, I have to go, I can always wait and watch here and uh, see how it goes. And then I can take a call. So, in the morning, um, I told my mother that, look, uh, uh, mom, I'm not going and um, I decided to stay back. She and must have been very happy. Yes, she <laughs> gave me a very big hug and she said, that's the best news of the year. So, well, I stayed back and I'm not regretting staying back. So, uh, you had this in a voice telling you to stay. Did you know what you would do? No, not a clue. Absolutely no idea. If nothing else worked, uh, I would take a job some with some corporate. I see. So, what's your story after IIT Bombay? You turned down two scholarships, and yes. then so then and you uh, decide not to go to the US. And what do you do then? So, in order to take experience, I started working for my cousin who were producing manufacturing electric motors, and um, uh, I was treated like part of the family. This so, was in Bombay. In Bombay. Mm -hmm. And um, they're, they're a very well-known uh, brand now in uh, electric motor and uh, appliances. Which one? It's called Remi, R-E-M-I. I see. And, so, in uh, Mumbai. Brand, in Mumbai. It's a very well-known brand even today. Very successful people. But way back in 69, uh, they were just upcoming. Uh, I set up for them um, electric motor manufacturing facility uh, with uh, German... Uh, uh, technical collaboration I see. and uh, they sent me to Germany for training for about six, seven months. Which part and, uh, of Germany? Well, th this is very interesting. I was in East Germany, which was all dark in those days. It was uh, communist and uh, I had to stay there with a German family as a paying guest because I couldn't afford a hotel. So, and which town did you go? Ah, This is a small town called Gera uh, in... Um, Thuringia province, uh, not too far from Dresden. It must be about uh, 160, 70 kilometers uh, west of Dresden. So I lived in Gera for almost uh, seven, eight months. Then I was also in a small, tiny village called Thurm, and um, uh, not too far from Gera. I traveled um, to different cities in East Germany, and uh, because I was very fascinated with uh, this. Uh, East European or this uh, communist uh, regime. Uh -huh. I found it very interesting. Sprechen so, uh, Deutsch? Yeah, I, I, 
do veni veni und langsam excellent so here you are traveling in communist uh, yes. uh, east germany or gdr german yes, democratic german. republic correct and you are learning the tricks of the trade you're getting technical training really yes i was getting technical training and um, uh, we had a license contract for the technology part so they gave us all the uh, drawings and told me to study how the manufacturing is done but what they didn't give me was uh, the real core the you know designs of the fixtures and um, jigs and so on which are used for the manufacturing purposes and when i told them that uh, they are withholding this information they wanted some extra money for it ah, and uh, <laughs> so I, much for communism right so <laughs> i wasn't interested in paying them but then you know we were smarter than them so i said look uh, the job gets over at 4 o'clock and after 4 2 7 3 hours i have nothing to do i am all alone i have no friends here nobody so allow me to uh, sit and uh, Uh, carry on watching your uh, processes and so on which they did and i copied all the drawings that were not given to us ah. so <laughs> so we didn't need anything from them then <laughs> so you did exactly what the americans did to the british uh, a couple of hundred years ago because that is when the americans wanted to industrialize and revealing industrial secrets in the uk was probably if a crime Um, and uh, the Americans just went and learned stuff, and and then of course incorporated it back in the U.S. But then the Chinese are doing the same thing now. <laughs> so it's a it's it's an ongoing affair. You know? It's a never-ending cycle. Yes. So all right, so you learn that, you come back, and then I, I, then I started this factory. Yeah, and uh, we were up in production in uh, the late seventies, the nineteen seventy. I passed out in sixty nine. So then, seventy, I was there, and then uh, three years I worked for Remy, put up the factory on road, and uh, uh, got it well developed, well established, and then um, I still wanted to do my own thing, and uh, there was an itch that look, I have to do my own thing. So somebody suggested this uh, uh, great product. It's a uh, looks very simple and uh, uh, very easy to make. So uh, we make the closures for steel. drums 200 liter steel drums in which you put oil chemical any liquid you pack the liquid so in the drum there are two screwed openings uh, one is called 2 inch and another is 3/4 inch diametrically opposite and worldwide they are standard so but at that point of time i was desperately looking at doing something and um, i had no sense or no idea of things like market survey and checking the technology and all this i said i'm going to do it i'll i'll develop my own technology there is no problem incidentally my brother who was one year junior to me in iit bombay uh, he also joined me and then we formed a great team together and uh, we worked hard and that time there was a, a monopoly by one american company worldwide monopoly of an american company and, and what uh, company was this which company this was a company called american flange and manufacturing company out of chicago mm-hmm. and uh, they of course no don't exist anymore uh, somewhere in uh, mid 90s uh, or early 90s they were bought out by a dutch company called fanlier uh, from amsterdam and uh, uh, somewhere in uh, 
early 2000 no late 90s venlier was bought by an american company uh, called grife oh. so it's now back in the hands of uh, the american company grife which is uh, headquartered in dayton ohio so uh, at that point of time they but were they no, no longer make this no they do they do they, they do. do they they are uh, uh, we and they we are the only two successful producers in the world uh-huh. even now even today because it's um, honestly speaking it's like almost like a rocket science it's not easy to make uh-huh. uh, to produce this product there are almost every single engineering operation that you can think of is there there is machining milling threading pressing um, you know all kinds of welding uh, all kinds of operation that you can think of because you so, you are you are taking from, 200 liter drums correct no we don't take no, them no, i'm saying you are providing covers two very tight covers we don't provide complete cover we This only the, provide the screw caps the screw caps and the bottom in which the cap fits in okay so and these are the has, four parts that okay. they are fitted on a cover which the drum producer manufactures i see so the cover is produced by the person by the party who makes the drums mm-hmm. we only provide these four parts mm-hmm. and um, we provide the uh, tooling and the equipment to uh, fit our enclosures onto the drum tops yeah and um, and it, it has to be really tight because it it's has, oil and it's got the, hazardous that is the weakest part of the drum from where the leakage can occur aha uh-huh. it is the weakest part in fact if you see any bottle Yes. water bottle or any uh, soda bottle or anything the weakest part of the bottle from where the leakage can happen is the closure is the top yeah. is the cap, cap. is the cap yeah. so it's the same thing here i must uh, salute the des- designer of this product it's a phenomenal product perfect engineering design a perfect example of uh, geometric knowledge mm. that the guy had to come up with the most optimum size so when i say 2 inch and 3 quarter inch why can't it be 2 and 1/2 inch or 3 inch exactly why, why not why can't it be 3 quarter inch one inch? no it, it cannot be it's difficult to explain it uh, you know by words but um, uh, if you'll draw the make the drawing yes. and if you'll see then uh, you'll find out that it's not possible to make any other size except this size is it to do with pressure is it to do no 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 it is the geometry ah because the 3/4 okay. inch comes out of 2 inch aha uh-huh. so now if you do anything else it will not come out so uh, therefore there, there there's a particular geometry mm-hmm. and uh, why everybody else failed and why everybody keeps failing even now is because it's very difficult to crack that code that uh, geometry code which my brother and i did how did you do that here in india it was i would say thanks to our great education in um, iit bombay uh-huh. indian institute of technology yeah. uh, where we were taught to think out of the box taught to think uh, uh, go deep taught never to give up mm. and uh, you know that uh, youthful uh, zeal was there mm. so we continued even though we were uh, almost bankrupt and we didn't know where the next meal was going to come from mm-hmm. still we persevered and we continued how long did it take you how many years before no, you practiced no 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 it took us only a few months to get the code out mm-hmm. and then 6 um, to 8 months to perfect it and then uh, in the 72 we started this we bought the land and 73 we put up this building 
of the company mm-hmm. and then um, uh, 73 end or 74 uh, we started production and of course we made a lot of mistakes mm-hmm. and uh, which is to, far for the course yes, everybody makes uh, yes, mistakes uh, yes and secondly we had absolutely no recourse or no resource mm-hmm. to fall back on there were no other manufacturers except drive mm-hmm. that time american flint and they were so secretive so secretive that even their scrap they would shred it cut it and then sell it wow so that uh, nobody could think of doing reverse engineering wow and um, uh, well we had lot of uh, interaction with them uh, not all of them very uh, pleasant. very pleasant or very healthy or very nice but uh, still we enjoyed having them as our competition excellent so how long did it take you to emerge as a global player and you are one of the few truly global players in manufacturing from india so what we did was a couple of things one was um, year on year whatever profit we made we plowed back into the company yes into the company we hardly took any money back home so it was a so growth mindset that you operated one, that on. was one the second was technology mm-hmm. so we kept upgrading our technology year on year mm-hmm. which we do it even today even now uh, we are upgrading our machines so that year on year we increase the production we either with the same number of uh, workers or uh, reduce 4 5% workforce so efficiency gains efficiency you focused gains on that, that year, year that, after year yes yes year after year mm-hmm. year after year so by 1990 uh, we were already world leaders and very well known in the world mm-hmm. uh, we were already exporting to almost uh, uh, 40 odd countries in the world now we are exporting to more than 60 countries in the world uh, practically every country that makes steel drums mm-hmm. knows us every steel drum producer in the world knows us how many steel drum drum producers there are in the world i can't say how many at the moment but i can tell you how many steel drums are produced in the in the world please there are about 135 million steel drums produced in, in the world every and year. Uh, every year and we produce now uh, i mean 65 million of them use our closures for the rest uh, 65 odd million uh, grief are themselves one of the large drum producers mm-hmm. so obviously they are not going to buy our closures in their Understood. drums so if you take that out which mm-hmm. is a large portion then uh, we are the world leaders in, in any way you can uh, think of so that is extraordinary so you uh, basically have emerged from india as Uh, a world leader in this area of drum closures yes we are absolutely the world leaders uh, in the world since 1990 onwards and we are continuously adding different types we are innovating uh, uh, we are helping our customers mm-hmm. to select uh, better quality different design so we have added a lot of uh, variants you know uh, in the in the product and we are giving our customers a lot of value added service So let us uh, look at the supply chain for your own drum closures. Uh, what is uh, this closure made of? Steel, I presume. Steel. Okay. Uh, it's a um, hot roll steel for the flanges, the bottom part, uh-huh. and uh, cold roll steel for the top uh, plug, which is screwed in. Where does that come from? India. We, Where in we India? We used to no. We used to import till about ninety-five uh, uh, or so, mm-hmm. and now. Uh, since 95 since opening up of indian economy removal of all this uh, uh, controls on the steel mm-hmm. uh, we are buying local 
it is coming from a very fine state of the art steel mill called jsw uh, jindal steel works and uh, all our steel comes from them we are very proud of uh, their loyal customers for last almost 25 years and we enjoy a great relationship with them and where is their mill steel their mill located? is uh, uh, the the mill from which we buy is uh, located uh, about uh, 100 and 100 odd kilometers from mumbai mm-hmm. uh, in the mainland india mm-hmm. today when we are sitting here it's island Understood. so bombay, bombay otherwise is, an island yeah. uh, it is a combination of seven islands that got uh, merged together mm-hmm. and uh, so once you cross the the creek and you go to the mainland then it's on the mainland Understood. but and your factory is on the mainland too or? our factory is also in the mainland yeah and uh, we have two factories here in india mm-hmm. and uh, one in china i see so three factories three factories china factory we put up in 2008 mm-hmm. which is also doing great i see so now that you've uh, talked about three factories two in china sorry two in india one in china what are the respective uh, um, production uh, capacities of each factory well china obviously is a smaller one mm-hmm. because it serves only the chinese market understood basically uh, for because we found that the chinese market was growing and uh, if we did not make closures there somebody else would and <laughs> there are <laughs> others who are producing but uh, in china yeah. not that uh, there is no chinese production yes. but uh, our closures um, command a premium in the price yeah. and uh, most respected our brand uh, tight seal is the most recognized brand in china most sought after brand in china we are fully sold year on year and we are expanding our capacity every year there also we are adding a few products uh, different variants but it's uh, the factory is doing very well understood so the big two factories are here and the chinese factory um, serves only the china market what percentage of your total production is say uh, the chinese factory China, we make about fifteen uh, million, and we make sixty-five here. When I told you the figure of sixty-five million, yeah. that was only production from India. Understood. Because Chinese the drum production is not included in that hundred and thirty-five million. I see. Chinese uh, do not give out their uh, figures uh, so easily, and uh, the figures are also and and the figures are also uh, not very reliable. So the whole chestnut. Yes, the whole. <laughs> okay, so. so total production of 80 million 65 in india 15 million in china since you produce in both countries uh, what has been uh, uh, the advantage of producing in india and what has been the advantage of producing in china and as and the disadvantages as well in both countries you see uh, the advantage in india is very obvious we are here and we watch the production administration Export everything very closely and control everything very so closely. So quality, you can control so quality. So quality is controlled, yeah. uh, completely controlled. Yes. In China, uh, we had to go there for several reasons. One was the big Chinese market. Number one. Number two, there are some advantages of steel cost. The Chinese steel price is historically lower than the Indian steel price. And is the quality comparable? Now the quality now is comparable, mm-hmm. but earlier. we had lot of problems because in china uh, even though they produce everything from rockets to aeroplanes and uh, to spaceships and everything at a lower level at uh, among the msc as we say 
medium uh, small and micro industry the, the concept of uh, quality control is not there I the uh, i found to my great surprise that in uh, in this uh, small sector they just pack what they produce and they leave it on their customer to do the quality check that is not what we do we make sure that our product when it leaves the company it is absolutely fully 100% usable and and reliable and reliable and if possible with zero defect yeah. so so we had a major problem and uh, in spite of our best efforts of training the uh, the chinese to do the quality control uh, they simply could not be uh, trusted or relied upon and we had to send eight or 10 Uh, sort of quality control uh, staff from india and they went they have established now of course now it is going on very well they they have picked up, up they have picked up they have understood our uh, quality requirements and they are doing all right i see so the pros from india that it's closer your quality is high uh, and, and the volumes and the volumes are volumes higher. high and uh, uh, of course uh, in china the the pros from china is of course the, the market. market and the cost of steel okay. now what are the disadvantages well uh, disadvantage in china is that the manufacturing cost still works out to be higher than in india aha uh-huh. uh, the overall you whatever the cost difference in steel mm-hmm. still their uh, cost of electric power their cost of other operative costs in the factory are higher than those in india i see and the labor cost is also a little bit higher than in india so electric power uh, is costlier in china than in india yes it is aha uh-huh. so uh, what are the disadvantages in india then the biggest disadvantage in india is the is the bureaucracy is the red tape is the red tape or the the corruption mm-hmm. ongoing corruption you want to say it's worse than china the corruption it's far worse than china Uh-huh. from my own experience i can say that uh-huh. in china there could be uh, corruption at a very high level for example Understood. if you were to put up a plant of 500 million dollars then uh, maybe you may have to uh, grease the palms of some state officials or something hmm. but believe me uh, we've done 10 years now or 11 years in china uh, no inspector has ever visited in anhui you say in anhui yes yeah, yeah. in anhui uh, which in a, is a historic a town province. yes yeah. it is a very interesting yeah, province exactly and our factory is located in a small town called chanjao chanjao and um, there is absolutely no red tape whatsoever all the rules are fixed there is no discretion uh, with the authorities so the goal posts don't change every, no, 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 every no, no, now no, no. and then you apply for some permit or mm. uh, some license if it is applicable it will come to you within a week 10 days 15 days if it doesn't come within 30 days take it done hmm. that is a law in china so there's a time bound there is a time bound uh, uh, period while, while yeah, there is a, if somebody some officer does it quick he'll be questioned hmm. why, why have you done it so fast mm-hmm. no nobody would work that fast so there is a there is a big uh, the biggest challenge here or the biggest cost factor here is the very unfortunate Uh, unhelpful attitude of the bureaucracy at a lower level i see so well, i wish the government uh, looks into this and uh, there are laws uh, which needs to be changed modified i wouldn't say repealed completely but 
a mm. uh, lot of uh, modifications required and a lot of laws uh, favor uh, corruption i see because they are unclear yes they, they are they unclear give too much discretion correct, to the official correct and secondly you don't put a time limit and so if yeah. there is no time limit then you have to negotiate for the time and time is money as time we know especially so, in in business right, and manufacturing can, the officer can sit on the file for years and years Understood. and there is no nobody can question him mm-hmm. so there's no accountability absolutely no accountability interesting you should say so because an argument and i say so having served the indian state at a decent level once upon a time the argument that a lot of people have made uh, including those at the highest echelons of the government is that india inherited a colonial state and the job of the colonial state was to make sure they collected as much taxes as possible from the indian people and stopped manufacturing and business so that british industry could function without competition and after 1947 we've never really been able to change that colonial nature of the state as an entrepreneur as a manufacturer would you agree with that argument not entirely not entirely not entirely okay so you know after uh, 47 mm-hmm. we've gone for industrialization the country is fairly industrialized now mm-hmm. we could have done twice of this if we had a um, helpful uh, policies of the government the issue is not only of policies but also execution of policies mm-hmm. but so that's that you're talking about the nature of the state here which is that if officials were used to basically taking bribes then some no in the colonial the times they didn't take bribe they took taxes yeah they took so taxes. i don't mind paying taxes because then you are on a level playing field and understood. everything everybody knows everything understood but when you are so talking you of under the table yeah. uh, under the table then um, uh, you know uh, your transaction your transactions are, are, are not known are not yeah. known oh. they are not transparent mm-hmm. so you can't put it in the books mm-hmm. so you show a, you are showing a false profit Mm-hmm. so then what happened was after uh, 1947 and this is now my personal view mm-hmm. that the government mm-hmm. at that socialist. point of no that the government turned socialist that is number 1 mm-hmm. but number 2 the government in its own thinking thought all indians are fools they are ignorant of the uh, law and they need to be regulated which which was the wrong thinking mm-hmm. so indians license permit quota raj correct so indians intrinsically are a very intelligent class of people let me tell you uh, and an entrepreneurial people entrepreneurial people and now you can see the example of it industry for example mm-hmm. how the indians world over have made a name uh, in the it sector and uh, similarly in lot of other sectors indian uh, business leaders are going around the world and are um, controlling uh, businesses in so many different countries yeah so uh, today uh, i had a meeting with one of your friends uh, ashank desai and he gave me a figure which blew me away um, he said in 1998 the it industry was 40 million correct and today it is 200 million that's 4000% growth yes, if i'm is. not mistaken it is it is it is i am aware of it so it's extraordinary yes. success yes but then there is similar success in other industries also mm-hmm. but why there is a such a phenomenal success in it because there are no controls so you till, till uh, let us say till 1990 mm-hmm. our economy was shackled 
So if somebody 
So and then 7191 uh, happened. 1991. The Narsia Marao's uh, reforming great government reform that. Yeah. But that, that also happened in a crisis. That happened because of a balance of payments crisis. And Soviet Union collapsed in 1991. So we had to go the market route. Well, that is uh, the hypothetical thinking. But the other thing is that anyway would have happened because Narsima Rao uh, was a very enlightened person. Mm -hmm. uh, he had uh, Manmohan Singh as his finance minister. Mm -hmm. He had Chidambaram as his commerce minister. Mm -hmm. And they formed a great team together. Mm -hmm. And uh, that time I was still a functionary of uh, uh, Federation of Indian Exports Organization. Mm -hmm. I think I was vice chairman. Mm -hmm. uh, I was chairman in Western region, and uh, uh, we were continuously interacting. So I know for sure that uh, they we, wanted to do it. That so they would have done would it have done anyway. It anyway, so it's not hypothetical thinking. No, we know that, that they would have the done crisis it. helped they, them. Maybe, maybe it helped. Fast, uh, speed they, up they the still, reforms. They still would have done it. They still would have done it. So they knew that this was wrong. All right. So good. So so. The, the power of the Indian administrative service officers and other bureaucrats has gradually uh, uh, gone down. And, and fast forward to today, there is all this talk about bringing manufacturing to India. And there's a make in India policy. There's also talk about Atmanir Bharat. So if you were finance minister of this country and you have skin in the game, you have dirt under your fingernails, you know all about manufacturing. What are the, let's say, top three or top five reforms you would immediately bring in this country? First is, you know, you have to sensitize the, the revenue collectors in each district and uh, put uh, incentive on them that, look, friend, if uh, the investment, the industry doesn't uh, go up, growth doesn't happen in your district, mm. then there's no future for you. So like the communist, like, yes. the, like, like not the communist, the communist China, yes. as so, China so, so what I had proposed about 10 years back, which uh, the prime minister also spoke uh, recently uh, from the uh, ramparts of uh, Redford. Mm -hmm. I said, look, there is no reason why every district in the country cannot be, cannot have a sizable amount of industry. Mm -hmm. So we have maybe over nearly 600 districts in the country. Mm -hmm. We should have 600 clusters. Now, if you go to Germany, where I have lived, uh, yeah. as I mentioned earlier. Yeah, and I have uh, spent time there. Yeah, they have the Mittelstadt. Correct. And it's extraordinary. Correct. So, if you see every village, there is an industry gabit. Yeah. So, at the outskirts of the village or a small town, there is an industry gabit where there are industries. There is not a single village where there are no industries. So, so that is the condition we need. At least let's go to the district level. Yeah. Why should there be districts where there are hardly any industries to talk of or very few industries? The government has realized this, but unfortunately, the execution at the ground level is still not there. And why it is not there? It's all because of the very strict um, revenue tight controls. Land use, for example. Mm -hmm. So you simply, it's very difficult to buy the land and convert and it to the industrial use. Industrial use. So, so you, going to number one, what you're saying is that incentivize uh, the, the district officials, officials to promote industry. To promote industry. Uh, uh, number one. Number, number two, one. Uh, tweak the laws. Number two, tweak the laws. laws now, what laws are, in particular? Particularly the land laws. I see. What land about laws. labor laws? Uh, Labor laws are not that big a priority, 
as landlords. Because it is still manageable as land laws. Yeah. Number two are things like forest law. Mm-hmm. Now, you see the forest department of India is the largest landholder in the country by far. They own almost like 80% of the country. No, no, that yeah. can't be true. Yeah, Not absolutely true. 80% they own means they declare it as a forest land. Okay. The owner is a government. Understood. But they don't own it, the forest department. No, 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 no. The owner is a government. Okay. But once they put a tag that this is a forest land. Then you can't finish. do anything. Now, tell me, what is the point of having a forest land next to a town uh, where there is absolutely not a single tree growing and there is no possibility? This is this is <laughs> Kafkaesque. Huh. This is straight out of France Kafka. This absolutely. is the ridiculousness so, of so Indian bureaucracy. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. So, what I have suggested is in the radius of about, let's say, 30 kilometers or yeah. 40 kilometers of any important town, mm-hmm. Taluka town as we say. Yeah. You know, we have district. Yes. So there's a district headquarter and the district is then divided into talukas, Towns. which are small taluks yeah. and the taluka town. Let's say about 25 kilometers radius of each taluka town it should not, should be out of forest. All you need to do is if there are trees, then you ask the fellow to plant 20 trees against one tree cut down and make sure that for next three years or five years, he maintains those trees. If a tree is dead, then he has to replace it. So, so that is not difficult. Mm-hmm. That can be done. Yeah, and the Chinese do it. Uh, Chinese do it. The Swiss do it. The Swiss do the, it. Exactly. the same law in Switzerland. Yeah, that's true. They, they grow. That's why how the forests in Switzerland are growing. Mm-hmm. And that's what um, a lot of European countries are doing. And okay. that is why they don't have shortage of wood like we have. Okay. So, you've said... Uh, incentivize the revenue officers. You've said, change, uh, amend the laws, reform the, the laws, land laws, and land laws in particular. Yes, forest what, laws, forest laws uh, as well. What next? Uh, well, the other thing are the transaction costs. So you have to provide, um, you know, easy banking, simpler banking. Today, it's very difficult for a, a small person to just walk in the bank, and then they would ask 150 times or uh, 150% of the uh, loan as a collateral, poor fellow can't get it. So, so there's a huge barrier to entry. There's a huge entry barrier. Mm-hmm. So entry barrier today in India is the biggest obstacle. I see. So uh, that, is why, that is why the foreign companies are shying away because mm-hmm. they see this entry barrier. But after entry, life in India is quite easy. Uh-huh. Even compared to China, uh-huh. uh, it is fairly easy. No problem. I see. So once you are a certain size, then life is pretty good. Yes. But if you are starting out, then so life first is five years uh, you go through hell. Okay. So you are saying that part of the reason we are not as good in manufacturing is because of that barrier to entry and transaction costs, which, are yes. Hidden, yes. which is basically exactly. corruption even today. Yes. Okay. And, and so any other. Uh, you know, wish list or these are the three things that suffice. No, for if you? we if we do these uh, three things, yeah, a wish list of course can go on and yeah. on and on. But I think uh, for starters, this is good enough. Government has a very good policies for supporting industry. Yeah, the new product linked uh, incentive scheme, the incentive Produ- yeah, for production each, uh, state, each initiative state, PLI, PLI, yeah. and the incentive scheme for each state is very attractive. Mm-hmm. But the issue is we fail in the implementation. I see. Now, let me ask you one key question because you sit 
yeah, you sit on the board of IIT, you're the chair of the board of IIT Jammu and IIT Bombay. Uh, a lot of people have talked about finding the difficulty of finding top technical talent, meaning in terms of manufacturing, not necessarily engineers, but workmen below that. Is that a challenge? Yes, it is a challenge. And I've discussed this with our Minister for Skill Development mm -hmm. uh, in India. Unless the industry mm -hmm. is made to employ only certified skilled manpower, we will have this challenge. Because I am running a very interesting skill development center myself. And we do not find students to come there. Mm -hmm. Why? Because industry is able to pick up anybody from the street and they, they say we'll train him for our job. Mm -hmm. That doesn't work. That doesn't give you quality production. So you but need we need institutions. Yes, we need institutions. And then we need but, a government nudge. And then, then we need, no, no, we need institutions. Then we need students in the institution. Mm. I can build a very beautiful building, mm. but then somebody should be prepared to go and live in it. So the incentives, so, you, the so, government needs so, right. incentives so, and that's where you need So government. what is incentive? Government is trying to pay money, mm -hmm. but that is working in a negative way. People are taking money and going home I and blowing it up. But what the government needs to do is, if there is a skilled job, for example, a mason, mm -hmm. a plumber, electrician. Now, you know, these are skilled jobs. Mm -hmm. The plumber can, uh, can ruin a building Absolutely. and the electrician can ruin the electrical circuit. So you need skilled manpower. If you need skilled manpower, they have to be trained. So where is the certificate? But the, the industry or the contractor, whoever, they are just employing anybody. Why are they not insisting on employing the certified person? So, I see. so this is my uh, suggestion that uh, the, if you want to increase the skilled, you have to make it mandatory for the industry to use only the skilled persons. Now, let me ask you, would that not increase red tape and add to costs? No, why? It reduce the cost. At the moment, crores yeah. and hundreds and crores, uh, millions of rupees are being spent on skill development by giving out a dole. Okay, we pay 1,000 rupees per month to the student uh, who's ah, coming for skill development. I see. We pay 500 rupees uh, for some this certificate. So, so you're saying that so the character that approach is not no working. Need, no and need. They need the stick instead. Right. Right. Should be forced to come and get themselves skilled, which they would if they had no option. Brilliant. So we've uh, we, we've run out of time because you have a busy schedule and another meeting to go to. Mm. But this has been a fascinating and enlightening chat. Uh, thank you very much, Sharath. Uh, and uh, those of you who are listening to us, well, make sure you follow us on all sorts of social media. We are there on Spotify. We are there on Apple. We are there, of course, on our website. And of course, sign up for the Fair Observer newsletter. Delighted to talk to you. All the best and bye for now, Sharad. My pleasure, Atul. It was nice talking to you. I have been very open, forthcoming. I have minced no words. As you know, it may ruffle somebody's feathers, but then so be it. <laughs> I think you'll be very popular. <laughs> I don't know. That was not the reason why I spoke. That. No, I, I think but you've spoken some, some truths that people shy away from uh, and that's much needed. All right. Thank you. All the best. Thanks.